Yeah, here we are. Okay, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 10. Uh, we're kind of going into this series of giving hands, all, we're all hands on deck. And today we're going to talk about uh, serving hands, serving hands. So let's, uh, let's pray. Father God, uh, we need to pray. Uh, not to prove to you that we're super submitted, we're super holy, you know, or it's just the right procedure to do. I, I think that uh, when we pray and we make prayer our habit, what we're really saying is that we can't do it without you. Lord God, that's my struggle. I, I still believe, probably with more than half my brain sometimes, that I can do it without you. I make that mistake. I'm prone to move fast. Uh, and I don't exactly have the greatest win-loss record. I don't know why I do that. But I know this, uh, that you didn't call us out of Egypt to let us die in the desert. Lord God, if you started the good work, you will see it through to its completion. And we want to be a part of it. So, so Lord God, do that work of submission in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen? Okay. We're going to start at verse 25. We're going to go to verse 37. So read with me if you can. Okay, on one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Sounds like a good question, right? Uh, Jesus replied, what is written in the law? How do you read it? The man answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus replies, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, well, who's my neighbor? Jesus replied, well, let me tell you a story. There was a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho where he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him. They went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that same road. When he saw the man off to the side of the road, he passed on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to that place, saw him, passed by to the other side. But there was a Samaritan. As he traveled, he came to the place where the man was, and he saw him. He took pity on him. Hmm. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring oil, well, pouring oil and wine on them. And then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. He said, look after him. When I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses that you have made. In which, these three, in which of these three, Jesus said, do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and it's a pretty much a, a straightforward message. There's a couple different things that we really need to kind of clarify there. Um, but we're going to go through that. Uh, I'm going to try to be as succinct as I can. Um, this is one of the most well-known parables in all of the Bible. I would say this one and the, the prodigal son, maybe one and two, people know this parable. You tell it, little kids hear it. And once again, uh, because it's a story, uh, it can kind of get relegated into our minds is just a story. And it has an impact, but it doesn't have the impact that it was meant to have. Because I assure you, when Jesus told this story, people were like, they literally gaped, and they kind of leaned forward and said, say that again? 
What is the purpose of a parable? Here's the purpose of a parable. It's to reveal things not easily seen in the world so that we can overcome the temporal from an eternal viewpoint. I'm going to say that again. The purpose of a parable is to reveal things not easily seen in the world. You ever hear the old saying, you can't see the forest because of the trees? You know what that means? That I can't see the grandeur, the beauty, the bigness of a forest if I'm stuck and I got a tree in 10 feet from me, 5 feet from me, 3 feet. I'm I'm more like kind of kind of groping my way through it but when god takes us up and out like a like a drone he takes us up we see the expanse the beauty the majesty the hugeness of it all you're like wow this is way bigger than i saw well why because i could only see what was in front of me so jesus gives us parables so that we could see things it's like he takes us in his glory up to see the reality of life the way it is intended to be lived And he shows us by default, if he shows us how life is supposed to be lived, he's also showing us if we're willing, and I always say that willing, because sometimes we mouth we're willing, just like when I say I forgive somebody that insults me. And I don't really forgive them in my heart, right? We've all done it, right? So uh, we got to be willing to let God by default, by showing us who he is, show us who we are. See, that's part of the truth, the truth. All right, I want you to remember this. God wants to be, I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again, wants to rule by influence. He can threaten you. He has the power to intimidate you. He can even break your legs to make you bow. But he prefers to be your influencer. He wants to grab you close, embrace you, look you in the eye and say, Please, trust me. Trust me. You ever had people in your life like that? Man, I could tell you, and usually those people were very godly. You know, and you're like, and I don't know about you, but I used to have a tendency to be like, no, no. And uh, I've always paid the price when I didn't listen. It's the same way it is with God. Like I told someone today, I say, you know, one of the big things is that we like to believe, and I don't want to go off on a tangent, because I do. But is everybody goes, well, if God is such a loving God, why would he send people to hell? And I say, you know what? I don't think he sends anyone to hell. I think, honestly, he just gives them what they prefer. He's like, you don't want to live with him here. Why would you want to live with me in, in eternity? Here, if this is what you want, have it. All I can tell you is I didn't like school, and I went about my ways not wanting school until I was in a garbage truck and it was 117 degrees outside. And I was thinking, man, I should have went to drafting school to build garbage trucks instead of driving them. And I, and I'm not, I, 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 I don't want to digress, but I'm, you know what I'm saying, right? Okay. So there's a couple things that we need to notice. The first thing that we need to notice is that there is a man who has come to Jesus with mixed motives. This is extremely common. From the first moment the command was uttered, people have been looking for loopholes to get around Jesus. There's a great, uh, I wouldn't say it's great. It's Morgan Freeman, great voice. He's the in search of God. And it's the, the, the history of religion. And it says, man's attempt to find God. And as I watched it and as I thought about it, because one of the places that I see God most evidently drawn out is in the Bible, yes, but in the history books. Because what he says in the Bible 
shows itself to be true in everyday life. And you know what? Sometimes in life, you got to kind of look backwards to see it the way that it was because when you're in the middle of it, you can't necessarily see it. You know what I'm saying? So I think religion is man's attempt to try to get God's hands off of it. Man, from the minute the, the, the command was, do not eat from that tree. Immediately, Satan knew exactly what the catch was, and he says, hey, you and I both know God's holding out on you. You don't have to listen. You can be. Just be. And she looked at the fruit, and he looked at the fruit, and he goes, hey, that sounds pretty darn good. <laughs> I'm just saying that this is a common thing, and it's common to this day. It wasn't just common 2,000 years ago. It's common to walk into a church with mixed motives. Many people walk into the church with mixed motives. I think when I came to the church, I came with mixed motives. I want God to get me free from, you know, little kids here, from sustained drug use and alcohol use. I just, I just want 30 days. Give me 30 days and then I can get back to managing my life. And he opened my eyes to see, man, 30 days ain't going to save your life, bro. Even if I save you from the alcohol and the other stuff, that ain't going to save your life. You're prone to running off cliffs. I don't know, it's just me. Maybe that ain't you, but I think it's you. You're just denying yourself. All right. So one of the things that Jesus is showing in this is the evidence of our brokenness. He's showing us the evidence of our brokenness. This guy who came was a good, gifted lawyer. He knew his stuff. He was a scribe. He was on his way. He was established. And he came. We don't have any indication someone sent them. So he comes to Jesus. Why? Here's the truth, sees the truth, sees things going around. And what does he do? He's like, well, you know, my whole life is pursuing God. Maybe I should go to this guy in case maybe he is speaking on behalf of God. And let's see where it goes from there. So he's trying to justify himself. Okay. I want you to say this with me. Jesus' number one purpose, say it again. Jesus' number one purpose is to reconnect me back to my creator. We're going to try that again. I don't know if it was just me being a bad maestro. Oh, this guy is the best. All right. Let's read it together. His first purpose is to reconnect us back to our creator, period. <laughs> period. Now we sound like the youth. And by connecting us back to our creator, he conforms us into his image. Okay? The person that came to Jesus was looking for a reason to justify himself. Why? Because if he can find enough evidence to prove that he is good enough, Jesus then becomes just another teacher. You're thinking, well, what's wrong with that? Well, I'll tell you. Jesus isn't just another teacher. Teachers are good, but it's not our greatest need. When Jesus comes on the scene, the reason the people reject him as a teacher is because he's teaching them that his presence is showing them things they don't want to see. He is threatening their capability. 
These are capable people. This dude was capable, went to school. He had accreditation. People looked at him and said, you are the guy. You've proven yourself. Comes before Jesus. Jesus speaks, and something pokes in his heart. You ever hear that, feel that in church? Because I do. When Jesus says something through someone, and it's like, speak. It's like he's touching something that only he sees in the room. And then all of a sudden, when he shows it, it gets real visible. And you're thinking, man, I wonder if other people are seeing it. And that's something that makes us want to run away. But like I heard this morning, don't run away from me. Run to me. Run to me. He sees it already. He wants us to run to him. All right. These are successful people. Jesus reaches out to the poor and to the successful. And they are convinced that their skill, their discipline, their knowledge, and their ability is their value and their worth. When you believe that your core strength, your core worth is found in you and what you can do, Jesus can be your teacher because that's all you need from him. Just tell me, just teach me, just show me, just say, well, you know, what do I do with this one? What do I do over there? What about my rugs in my house? And what do I, listen, Jesus comes into my house and you know what he says? You're standing in a building that's going to collapse. You're standing upon a foundation that is cracked and it is eroding under your feet. And those beams that you place are going to collapse and crush your head. You don't like that. I just prefer you give me a new shade to put on the walls. It's just the way it is. Jesus threatens when he's a teacher. You know what he does? He does this. He threatens a couple different things. He threatens my love. He threatens my pride. He threatens my source of joy and my purpose for living. When Jesus is rejected by the majority, the reason they're rejected by the majority of people is not because they don't understand him. It's because they do understand him. They're like, no, thanks. I'm not interested in this. Every time Jesus speaks, at least when he speaks to me, he sheds light. I have learned to embrace that light. And I want it to penetrate, and I want it to transform. I want to live in the light. That's what it means to live in the light. Let God, what he says, expose things in the need. Like, live it out, not trying to present, oh, Pastor Tom, he's so holy. He's so holy. Look at, look at all those things. And wow, look at the elder. Look at the preacher. Look at the evangelist. Man, that's wonderful. It's great. I'm not casting doubt or shame on anybody. But ultimately, at the end, we are all sinners saved by grace. I cannot pin anything he did on my shoulders. Look at what I did. I'm going to show you the verse that proves it. It's not just me who's saying it. All right, Jesus has come to save us. Jesus has come to purchase us. 57 verses. 1 Corinthians 7, 23. Acts 20, 28. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Revelations 9. 1 Peter 1, 18. 54 other verses are saying that Jesus came to purchase my life. This demands a different level of devotion than just a teacher. It's just the way it is. Just the way it is. Jesus don't hide, he don't shade it, he don't water it down, he don't sugar it up. But I've come to purchase you, and that's the only way. Only way. 
Jesus is opening our eyes. He is opening eyes to the condition of man apart from grace. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are those who are pure of heart, for they shall see God. Well, what does that mean? Okay? Does it mean that I need to be perfect and undivided in my attitudes, my motives, my love and devotion? Well, that's kind of the aim. But are you? I mean, I'm just asking you. Are you undivided? Because I, a mixed bag at best, throw a little weight on my shoulders and you'll see who I am. I find that the harder I try, and I try, I try, I find that there is a constant tug of war in my heart. And if I'm willing to be honest, I will always be able to see that there are pockets of division in my heart to varying degrees. People give up. You know why? Because they're tired of the fight. I don't give up. You know why? I got nowhere to go. He's convinced me he's the only way. I don't come because I'm proving myself. I'm coming because I'm desperately in need. There's a difference, folks. There's a big, big difference. And the difference produces incredibly different lifestyles incredibly different lifestyles there will always be room in my life and in your life for a greater surrender i believe pureness of heart isn't about perfection it's about desire blessed are those who are pure in heart what does that mean jesus i think it means that the pure of heart want god so that they can have God, not just what he can do. You know what? I want God to win. I want God to win even if it costs me. Why? I don't know. He's just put it in my heart that he's been cheating and that he really wants to hurt me. I don't want to be a part of it. No, more. I don't want to be a part of it no more. I don't want him to be cheated. Back to our story. When Jesus says, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, what's happening here? He isn't just saying, love God and love man. No, 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 no. That would be it, it's true. We are to love God and we are to love man. He's taking it to a different level. He's saying to you and me, you can't love God if you don't love him. So you've got to ask yourself this question. Where do you see that? I'll tell you. If you go to Matthew 22, 37 through 39, you'll see it. 22, 37 through 39. Another time, teachers will all come to him. What's the greatest law? He goes, I'll tell you what the greatest law is. You see the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. I tell you the truth, the second is equal to the first. You know what that means? Can't do one without the other. Don't tell me, John says, don't tell me you love Jesus. Don't tell me you love God if you can walk through people who are dying in the gutter. It's a fact. He's like, don't say it. Because you know what? The truth is not in you. You make God out to be a liar. John, man, he's the gospel. He's the the apostle of love. Hate to see the apostle of rebuke. All right, let's look at the characters of this this thing because it's going to give us a lot of great insight. Okay, 
first person is an unknown guy who's just going about his business, just like me and you would have back then, coming down from Jerusalem, which was the main place to do whatever you do. If you're a salesman, if you're a teacher, if you're this or that, that was the place to be. So he's going back down into Jericho. That's the first city. What is Jesus telling you and I? He's telling anyone who has listening ears that this world is a dangerous place. It is a dangerous place. Kid just the last week comes out of school and two people fighting with one another shoot at one another. And just like it happens all the time, bad shooters killed someone who ain't supposed to be killed. You know what I mean? Now, it's not right. It's not cool. But I'm going to tell you something. And this is something that we all got to come to grips with. Sin has caused this in the world. So which even if I'm a victim of this unfortunate aspect, I'm also a contributor in the sin that brought it. I'm just saying. I know that's not what we like to hear. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. No, man, if I sinned, I contributed to the danger, even if I'm not an active participant in it. So Jesus is telling us that this is a dangerous world and catastrophe can come upon us at any minute. We live in a place where disaster can strike at any time. Let's look at our next two characters. I'm going to group it together. No need to take them apart. There's a priest and there's a Levite. One is a, a person born into a family to do a religious, hold a religious office. Apart from the priest, there can be no Judaism. The Levite, he is also born into the right family. He is kind of a second tier guy, kind of a support staff, and usually they're musicians. So they're there. These are guys that if you were a Jew, you'd want to be one of these guys. You're like, I want to be, I would love to be born into that kind of thing. You know what I mean? These were revered, they were loved, they were respected simply by birthright. We don't know anything else about them. But this we do know. As they're going down from Jerusalem, they see a guy that's incapacitated by disaster. He is bleeding, he is broken, and he could be either dead or on his way to death. But what I see in this is these two moral, religious officials don't find any compelling reason to step into the situation. Why? I want you to understand this is a parable. That means these people don't exist. You have to be very careful with adding things to parables because you can really take them out of the context. So I don't know why they did what they did, but Jesus is telling me that story to spark my imagination so that I could start thinking because these guys, they represent common problems in the hearts of mankind. They do. First thing that I see, why would they not stop? Well, they're most likely afraid of getting caught up. Is this a sin? No, it's not a sin. They were afraid. That's a common thing. God gives us this desire to run away. Why don't people get involved? See, it's easy to come here and sit. It's nice and warm here. The environment's beautiful, friendly, you're welcome. But to get involved, This is great, but this without that, you say, keep it. That guy could die. What he's saying, keep it. Don't do the other, don't do this. Kind of what he's saying. Now, we have to be wise. I'm not saying we jump to every need. 
we jump to every cause because can I tell you something? There's endless causes. So you need to keep a conscious contact, walking with the Lord, praying to the Lord, being with other believers who are doing the same thing, allowing God to lead and guide you because trust me, there's a million things. Listen to Moody Bible. They'll tell you you should be doing everything because they always got a different thing because it's a radio show. No, are we supposed to do everything? No, but I'll tell you this. There are some things we are supposed to do. And he's going to go, oh, yeah, April 15th. Yeah, brought this over here. Read <laughs> five. I'm just saying. All right, let's keep going back. Okay, number two. They are most likely busy. They're trying to get home, and they're trying to get back to their businesses. That's common to every one of us. Man, it's not like we don't care. It's not like we're evil or selfish. I just got stuff to do, right? I got to go here. I got to go there. I got to do this. I got to do that. Jesus says, I am the Lord. I've saved you so that I could be the Lord of even your job. Now, does he say, hey, quit your job to some? He does. To everyone? No. The vast majority says keep working. But you know what he does resolve, reserve the right to do? When I'm walking this way to tap me on my shoulder and go look that way. Hey, oh, that's where you need to go. Remember Philip, that guy that was spoken about? He was going in this direction, and God said, no, I want you to go in that direction. But Lord, I got an agenda over here. He's like, yeah, yeah, I know. It's my agenda, and now I'm putting you here. I got to keep an eyeball open. I got to keep my ears attentive. And I'm going to tell you something. You think you're going to do that on your own? Think again. It's just not happening. I don't want to sound insulting or demeaning in any way. But I know this. I need godly people around me who love me and are loved by Jesus. Because I hear his voice in their life. I hear it when they counsel me. I hear it when they love me. I hear it when they speak and when they live. And it reminds me to keep my ears open. So these people stopped, didn't stop because they were busy. Third thing, there were religious <coughs> implications. These guy, this guy on the side of the road was ceremonially unclean. He was bleeding, or he was bleeding and dead. That was a double MacGuffin. You can't touch him if you're a priest, if you're a good Jew. You have to be purified. Can't touch dirty, filthy things. You know why? Because the law said, if I touch a dirty or filthy things, I am now dirty and filthy. Let me show you what my master, my Lord, my Savior did. When a guy comes in with leprosy, stinking of rotting flesh, covered in sores and rats, he gets and he goes, if you're willing, cleanse me. If you're willing, cleanse me. And Jesus says, I'm willing. He doesn't just speak it. He touches him. You know what he's doing? He's saying, you're separated because you're unclean. I'm willing to enter in to your uncleanness. You know what he was saying to that guy, that leper? I'm willing to enter into your loneliness, your hopelessness, your hatred of self, your hatred of life. I'm willing to enter in. Nobody cares about me. Can't say that no more. Can't say that no more. I've proven to you I do care. And I didn't just say it. I showed it. He showed it so much to this one guy that everyone was like, <gasps> that the other guys that he was speaking to could have went, well, that's it for me, Jesus. I can't do this. 
You've crossed the bridge of no return. He says, so be it. So be it. I have come to seek and to save the sick. But the ones who have no sickness have no need of a physician. So let's just kind of put that down where it is. It's rough. All right. Okay. Their religious implications have done something in their mind. They serve. They look good. They think they've got God's thumbs of approval all over their lives. And this causes them to do something. It causes them to pretend like they don't see what needs to be done. They travel unaffected and justified. You know what I thought, wrote down? That is a very dangerous concept. I hate when people say, oh, I went to church, I feel good about it. I did a good thing. What? What was the good thing? Tell me what it was, because I want to do a good thing too. If I came to church, pray a good thing. That's what I should be doing. I should be living here. I should be serving here with every minute of my life. But I'm still conflicted. This isn't a good thing. It's the best they knew that they were doing this because they served in these capacities they thought that that was enough and I think to myself you know that's something we all have to struggle with how much is enough how much is enough that God wants I'm going to tell you something there's nothing off the table kid nothing nothing off the table if Jesus is my teacher he only gets to ask me so much Jesus is my Savior, he gets to ask me anything he wants. Remember how I said it demands a different level. My question was, what causes believers in Christ, (coughs) believers of the gospel, to have limited responses to his call? He has called you and I to make a difference. He's called us to be used. He has called us to bring comfort to bring aid, to bring protection, to bring support. Not to everyone, but to some. And we can be used in the lives of some unless we want to be offended. (coughs) Biblical knowledge is good. Morality is important. All these things are great. But unless they are paired up with those other things, they will cause me to resist being captured by grace. Let's look at the third guy, the Samaritan guy businessman. Can I tell you by Jesus picking a Samaritan, this is a huge slap in the face, man. This guy is he's the top of the best. They thought they were God's people. Man, of all the people in the world, God picks Israel. Don't you think that that would cause an identity maybe just a little bit that could be tiny bit unhealthy? Tiny bit unhealthy? Well, I'm better than you guys. Man, I tell you, coming to church, Made me convinced. I don't know if I ever really thought I was better than other people in my life. But once I came to Christ, it was nailed into my head. There's no way I get to look down on nobody else. No way. Even when I'm telling them they're going in the wrong direction, I'm not doing it from a pulpit. I'm doing it right there with them. I'm going, man, I, I might have been you, with you. I could have been doing these things with you. It's death, man. Let me come with me, man. Come on, let's get out of death. Can you imagine what that does in me? 
It's a difference maker. All right. This guy sees a need and he stops. That's the first thing that we need to do. Lord God, show us the need and give us the desire to be satisfied. Give us the desire to satisfy. Don't let fear control you. Because fear will enter and stings you through. What next? What's the cost? Jesus tells us over and over, count the cost. You think that thinking is just like hyperbole? He's like, no, 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 there's going to be some considerable cost. Considerable cost. So think about it. Think about it. Think about it if you want to do it. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell, tell the people who offer these tithes. I know he's loving you here. What he offers up, so much. Yes, cry over it. Cry over the hearts of people. Okay. He's got a schedule. He's self-aware. It's dangerous. He's got business, family, just like the other people. But what's different? Here's what's the difference, and I think that this could make a difference in my life and in your life. He sees himself as someone who could be easily in that position. I always said it. You know what? I I was destructive, very destructive. But I will say this. I wish I didn't grow up in that I'm grateful I didn't grow up in a church like that. You know why? We hear about the fact that there's sinners saved by grace. We agree with the fact that there's sinners saved by grace. But they've never eaten pig slop. I ate pig slop. I can still smell it sometimes. It's it's in my nose. And you know what? Every time I think about going back to that pig slop, because guess what? Strange as it is, it's still attractive to me. wasn't good the first time and you know what i think i'm getting a better deal over here i'm just gonna stick with my father amen that's the first thing that i see it's the first thing i see he steps up step up say i will step up he then steps in say i'll step in don't say it if you ain't gonna do it i'll step in he uses his effort he problem solves and he uses his resources. Does he tell you to use your mortgage? No. Does he tell you? But I'm telling you, maybe he does tell us to maybe do with a little bit less so that someone could get through. Does he tell us to throw money at situations? Once again, no. He tells you to be wise. That means you have to do more than just say, because I'll tell you the truth, if I got 30 bucks in my pocket for me to give away 10 bucks, kind of pinches, but it's not that much. So I'll pay my way out of it. Amen. Jesus is like, I ain't asking for that. And I ain't looking for it. And you know what? I ain't producing it. Sometimes God wants us to get involved. It doesn't necessarily mean that we take homeless people into our house. But I tell you this, how many times do we bring the gospel to the Man, it never goes anywhere. I've done it a thousand times. People are like, no thank you. It kind of looks weird, makes me feel awkward. I get it, man. I get it. 
Well, what would it look like if you took this personality and you genuinely demonstrated to them? Maybe even someone you have a relationship with now that you love them. And that there's a love inside of you that's not just a human love, like I like you, your pal, partner, but it's literally like a godly love. That's literally like Jesus going up to Zacchaeus and go, hey, I'm going to come to your house tonight. We're going to eat dinner together. And then you pray for them and you bring them to God and you bring them to church. And you say, hey, man, I want you to go to life group with me. How many people, I know we, we see these faces every day, but I see a couple of these faces every week. You know, the people who are here every week, you know what you should, the first person you should go to is that person you've never met in your life or talked to and say, hey, my name is, thanks for being here, man. What brought you here? You, you know about our stuff. Don't come on to me like crazy people. <laughs> Nobody likes that, man. It's like, we're like Jehovah, we're not Jehovah's Witnesses. No nope. But you know what, though? I think, man, I don't know. I, I, I think to myself, who wouldn't like you guys? You know what I mean? We know how to do it here. Take them out. Get their number. Contact them. How many lonely Christians are there? Hang on. And I'm not blaming us because we got to take responsibility ourselves for our growth. I can't blame someone else if I fall off. You know, I got to reach out. I got to reach out. But I want to be the person who reaches out and reaches out to others. I want both in my life. And I want it for us as well. This guy does all these different things, and it appears that he's not looking for repayment or reward. There's the difference. There it is. That's the difference. What did Jesus come to do? He came to make a people who want to do good things so that they don't go, well, I did all this stuff. I deserve heaven. No, no, no. We got heaven. It was purchased for us, given on a silver platter. And Satan goes, that's not yours. You don't deserve it. And Jesus says, oh, I do, though. I deserve it, and I'm giving it to whom I will. Got a problem with that? I'm just saying, Man, he stands in front of the company of angels, man, and he stands up for us. He bought us with his blood, his life, his tears, his pain. Why? So we feel guilty, manipulated? No! So that we can say without a shadow of a doubt, God, I love you, and if you love me this way, you love me this way. He really is loving. Amen? All right, we last minute, but I saw him coming up to rescue you guys. So what do we do? We need to ask for compassion. Like I said, one of the things, Pastor Mark said, everybody should be on their knees before God. And, and you know what? Once again, I, I, we could do this. I can do this, and I can show this wonderful, beautiful display of submission so that you can go, wow, really? I'm submitting? I can even do it strangely in my own twisted human mind to show God, which he goes, yeah, for this moment. But remember, I've been with you forever. So do you think that that's going to make a difference in my life? Or do you think, well, come on, you have to believe that every day. Well, I don't know. I think Christianity is the thing that makes, uh, Christianity love, God's love for me is what makes a difference. So we need to pray for compassion. We need to get on our knees. We need to be willing to ask God to give us compassion. Why? Compassion pulls me at gut level 
and it makes me impossible to be a spectator in church. Period. The number one ministry of the church was taking responsibility for other people. All these other ministries, worship, tech, welcome, kids zone, super important. But not to be done instead of, but with. Take responsibility. Say, I'm here. Someone will say to you, you don't have no skill. So what? You think God picks us because we're skillful? No, if I was skillful, I'd get in his way. He's like, listen, stay dumb, but stay obedient. Hey, I'll bow, whatever. Once again, all those other ministries should never take place of being Christ to the broken, to the weak, to the lost, to the confused. What we're going to do right now is the team comes up. We're going to stand up. And you don't have to move. Stand up. Let's stand up. Wait for them to come up. We're going to hold hands. You don't have to go across the room. Just with someone that you're with. And if they don't like to touch hands, pray for them extra hard. But no. Put your hand on their shoulders so that you can be connected. Because you need to be connected to one another. And let's pray. Let's pray together. Let's pray for this. With one mind and one heart. Father God. You, you don't know, you know, have <laughs> to leave me. Father God, please make our hearts compassionate. Lord God, open up our eyes to see things. I knew that there was a song. Let's see this woman that Jesus loved with his eyes. Lord God, you stepped out of a boat onto the shore and you were overwhelmed to the point of crying because you saw sheep without a shepherd. You know, you said, I didn't come here to be served. I came here to serve, give my life as a ransom for many. You, you were a seed. You said, unless I go into the town to die, I just remain one seed. You think that I won't do what I've come to accomplish? Lord God, we've got to do the same thing. Let, let us, instead of dying that day, let us die to our agendas just a little bit. Let us die to our fears just a little bit. Help us to, help us to be compassionate to the people who just like us were lost before you ever came. This, Lord God, we ask. Everybody, don't don't just stand there, man. We're going to be a moving church. I want you to listen to this. Here I am, all my intentions, all my obsessions. I want to lay them all down. In your hands, only your love is vital. Though I'm not entitled. Sing from me your chops. God, you don't need me, but somehow you want me. Oh, how you love me. And somehow that frees me to take my hands off of my life and the way it should go. God, you don't need me, but somehow you want me. Oh, how you love me. Somehow that frees me to open my hands up and give you control. Father God, 
Why did you make me such a baby? Lord God, I was that guy. We were that guy that came back from father. Filthy. Stinking of pig. It was under our nails. It was in our hair. Our stomach was raw. Our breath was nasty. And you ran to us. You didn't make us comfortable. You, you ran to us. told your servant to get us your best clothes and put them on us. When we said we would go sit in the servant's place, you said, no, I'm going to have a party. You're my child. You were dead and now you're alive. Lord, God, help us to live like that. Man, Lord, God, help us to see other people as people who are lost and in need of a Savior. Help us to be willing to give in such a way that it just doesn't make sense. Not so that we can prove we're something special, but maybe, just maybe, to prove that you're something special. And I ask you, Lord God, please don't let this die. Don't let this die. Let this grow in our hearts all week long, all month long, all year long. Father God, please, Lord God, we pray this together with one voice, one heart, one mind, in Jesus' name. And all the saints said, you guys have a wonderful day. Say.